freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. It's time to hear from the top Christian litigators in the nation who have come forward to tell us the truth and help us defend our faith. Hear ye, hear ye. All rise. Faith on trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Menno is in session. And welcome to Faith on Trial. We examine the influence of law and society on people of faith. I'm Deacon Mike Mano, your host, and I'm here with Gina No, our beloved co-host. How are you? I'm today? glad to be back, and I'm <laughs> glad to be here. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. Now, now you just got one girl out of college, mm-hmm. graduated, oh, and now starting you're it all starting over all again. over. Will it ever? Well, I guess it yeah, must it end because you only have to an two. End at yeah. some point. That's right. <laughs> Everything comes to an end, right, Deacon Mike? Yeah. yeah. So she's excited about Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Yes, she will be attending Iowa State in the fall. Okay. She's looking forward to it. She keeps meeting more and more students around the central Iowa area that are also attending the school. So she'll, she she makes friends pretty easily. So this oh, yeah. is all very good. Yeah, uh, that's why I got my master's. I did my master's at, at Iowa, Iowa State. State. Right. Yes, and your law degree at Drake. At Drake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other stuff at Creighton. And your yeah. undergrad and at, at Creighton. Creighton. Yeah. Yeah. The Jesuits. So you've tried them all out, and then, well, you, and then you taught at another university. I taught Iowa. a couple of places. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so anyway, yeah. I the problem is I haven't decided what I want to be when I grow up yet. So right, I'm still that. floating around and trying this radio stuff. See how it works yeah. for me. Yeah, being a deacon—that's a different a deacon, sort uh, of. Yeah, of course, being profession. a deacon doesn't pay nearly as well, well as not, some of these others. Vocation it, is vocation. It's it, it, not based yeah, no, on uh, money. And, and I don't think people realize that, but it, it basically we're volunteers. Right. We do get a volunteer. subsidy right. at the, you know, a couple hundred dollars. At the but end vocation of the year. refers to everything, everything that you yeah. do in your life. Marriage you, and all that. Exactly. That's it's right. The choices yeah. you make the yeah. vo- is your vocation. Have some interesting... Um, Legal stuff going on in the world. And I mean, what, we're going to talk legal today? Yeah. Oh, yeah. good. The, <laughs> the interesting thing, I think, the one that may be the most scary is the indictment of this former Marine in New York for the death of this crazy guy that was on the subway train harassing everybody and threatening to kill him. I think that what that does is it puts a, a chill on people who may want to respond to protect people or to protect themselves when something goes on, and now they're not going to. They're going to be afraid. Well, I, I think this case, although it doesn't, have, it, it isn't particularly uh, relevant to our faith, mm-hmm. it does represent um, the politicization of our legal system. It does. Um, the abuse of the legal system and the unequal use of the legal system. Yeah, especially since the legal system had it within its power to stop this guy before it ever started. I mean, he'd been arrested 40-some times. He was on, like, the top 10 list of, you know, wackos that you have to, we ought to be looking right. out for. And uh, and yet they did nothing. They did nothing. You know, where, where were the authorities? This guy needed help. Well, I'll tell you what. I f- would feel much safer knowing that there was a Marine around while I was being harassed by right. someone who was threatening my life. Right. Um, who will and now that be a f- would jump into action and instead is, the, brings the, out his phone and videotapes m- some attack on me or there, the people around me. There, There's a chill now on this activity. If you're being attacked, what's that Marine going to do? 
Right. He's not going to do anything anymore, or he might not, and let you continue to be attacked. And that's what bothers me. That's, and it also, you know, you look around the country and you see all these homeless people, a lot of these people that are on drugs and they're homeless and that are whatever. What are we doing for them? We're giving them more drugs. We're establishing needle exchanges. You're perpetuating them in their misery. You know, th- these people are human beings. They need help. and We're not giving it to them. We're throwing money at the problem, you know, to buy more drugs for them. But that's it. Yeah. So, yes, the courts are definitely, um, we have to be careful about who we vote for because these are the people that are appointing our judges or electing our judges. Right. And it's important for us to understand the long-term implications of decisions being made mm-hmm. at that level. Mm-hmm. And things that we may not personally be concerned about in our own lives. We have to look beyond ourselves see what these things do to society. All right. Um, we have an interesting program today. We have Logan uh, Spina, uh, who is uh, representing a child, I guess a seventh grader in the Boston, uh, Massachusetts area, who was wearing a T-shirt that says there are only two genders. And he was told that he can't come back to school wearing that. So we'll We'll get uh, get Logan's. So it's take a T-shirt lawsuit. T-shirt lawsuit. Uh, First That's Amendment. Right. That's right. Interesting. And these are both both. Did Tinker already decide this? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but uh, you know, we're going to redecide it. We're going to redecide it. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is an ADF program, by the way, because uh, today Logan is, a, is from ADF, right? Mm-hmm. And Jeremiah Gallus, who is an attorney representing a San Diego area a church and school, who's had their food subsidies cut off by the government because they don't follow the rules on gender ideology. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. And I've heard a number of uh, conservative and religious um, podcasts over the last week, and the, more and more I'm hearing people talk about this ideology as a, a new religion. It is. It right. is. And it, it threatens... People of faith. It's a brand new religion, and they have new gods. And it's now. a protected right religion. Right, and they have new gods. The god that they worship is not the god that sits in heaven that's created us. Somehow, it's their own god that they've created. Uh, whether it's an ideology or whatever, but that's what. And we'll, if we have some chance, we'll talk at the end of the program about what they're doing with AI and rewriting the Bible. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, AI. All right, Mm -hmm. Uh, you got a prayer to open us up with? I do. It's a prayer for peace today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God of peace, bring your peace to our violent world. Peace in the hearts of all men and women, and peace among the nations of this earth. Turn to your way of love those whose hearts and minds are consumed with hatred, and strengthen us all in hope. Give us the wisdom and the courage to work tirelessly for a world where true peace and love reign among the nations and in the hearts of all. Amen. Amen. We will be right back after these messages with Logan Spinoff from the Alliance Defending Freedom. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. And we are back. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. And right now we have with us Logan Spina, who is a counsel with the Alliance Defending Freedom. First of two today, by the way, like I say, this is ADF Day on the Faith we, on trial. We love Alliance Defending Yes, freedom. yes. They gave me some good training, too, along the way. Anyway, <laughs> get back to uh, to Logan and his uh, 
in his case. Uh, Logan and the Alliance Defending Freedom are representing a seventh grade student in a Massachusetts school that has been told he cannot wear to school his T-shirt that says there are only two genders. So, Logan, you kind of want to take it from there and let us know what is going on? Absolutely, and thanks so much for having me. Oh, certainly. Liam Morrison is a seventh-grade student, and he wanted, as you mentioned, to wear a T-shirt to school that says there are only two genders. But that's not even really where the story begins, because as you can imagine, in Liam's school, just like in so many other public schools across our country, there's an ongoing dialogue about issues related to gender. The school has a Progress Pride flag it displays in the hallway. It has an annual Pride event in June. It's had one last year. It has one this year. So Liam is wanting to respond to a discussion that's already going on and just to offer his own perspective, which is that gender comes from sex and not just from a person's identity. So he tried to wear that shirt, and they they pulled him out of class within an hour of the day that he wore it and told him that it was violating their dress code. Well, he he tried to to go to the school board meeting to explain his position. He sent letters uh, to to the school explaining that he thought he had a legal right to wear that shirt. Uh, uh, Just a second. This is is a seventh grader. Yes, a seventh grader. I can imagine what he's going to be when he's grown up and maybe a lawyer like we are. Perhaps, perhaps he will be inspired in that respect. He certainly has the courage. <laughs> he certainly uh, to do that does, and any number of other things. He certainly does. Can yeah. we can we run him for something? Is there an age bar that we have to get over to put him in office somewhere? <laughs> you know, there, there probably is, but who knows? Uh, who knows what we might be able to to get him to to go for even at this age? But uh, yeah, he's certainly an articulate and courageous young man. But so when the school responded to say that they still that they dug in on their on their dress code and to say he couldn't wear that shirt. He then decided to just wear a shirt that would protest their censorship, and so he put the he put a you know a covering over the only two part of his shirt that said the word censored. So now his shirt said there are censored genders, and he, he wore that to school. Uh, and again, they they took him out before he even got to his first class. Actually, he was just in homeroom that morning and said, "No, you can't wear that either." And so that's when we got involved. I love you, this. You, kid. We're representing. Yeah. Already, I yeah. love him. <laughs> we're we're very thankful for for Liam. Um, so yeah, so that's when we got involved. We filed the lawsuit. We had a hearing with the court earlier this month as well, because the court did did act on our. We were asking for what's called a temporary restraining order. So that's just a, sort of you know, a quick order to try and vindicate his rights. But the court decided not to rule on that basis, but then scheduled a subsequent hearing for this last Tuesday on June thirteenth. Um, the court has not decided what it's going to do. Uh, it, we hope to hear from the court um, early next week. But it sounds like the court is actually inclined to rule for the school. Um, the court um, just seemed to seem to to buy the school's argument that somehow expressing this message in, invades the rights of other students. We, we gave strong counters to show why that's not true and, and, and why the Constitution protects students from this kind of you know having their viewpoints singled out, mm-hmm. especially when the school is engaged in speech on the same subject and, and encouraging other students to speak on the same subject. We think he's got a very strong legal case, but this particular judge at this time does not seem to, to agree with us. As I said, the court has not ruled yet, so please keep Liam in your prayers uh, and, and pray for the judge that she will actually uh, look at the law and, and see that our side is, is the correct one. But even if the judge doesn't grant Liam this particular request, uh, well, we can we can appeal that to the First Circuit Court of Appeals, and that may be the next step in the case. Okay. What were you asking for at this hearing? We were asking for an order that would permit him to wear both of those shirts, really, because both of those shirts 
have a constitutionally protected message. One is just the, the, Liam wants to expl- express his message about gender, which he, he has a constitutional right to do, so long as it's not disruptive, and his shirt was not disruptive. Uh, and then he also has a constitutional right to, to protest censorship by schools about subjects like gender. So both of those shirts are, are constitutionally protected speech. So we were asking for, for an order that would permit him to do that, and that would generally protect him from the aspects of the school's dress code policy that are unconstitutional, because the school's policy overtly discriminates based on the viewpoint of, of speech on some issues, including the issue of gender. And the Constitution says schools don't have power to do that. Now, if uh, the judge rules against you, how do they distinguish this case from Tinker? Yeah, so for the audience, the Tinker is, is a case from 1969 where the United States Supreme Court said that students had the right to wear black armbands in school to protest the Vietnam War at the time. And the reason that the school students had that right is because, in general, students do not shed their constitutional rights at the schoolhouse gate. Schools do have interest in restricting speech that maybe they couldn't restrict in outside of school, but it still has to meet a basic standard of substantial disruption. If a student's speech is not disrupting the school, then the school doesn't have a basis for restricting it. So we, we do believe that this case falls squarely within Tinker. The, the school district has emphasized some language from within that case that also talked about speech that invades the rights of others. But courts that have been interpreting that language in, since that time have explained that that is still a high bar to meet. It has to meet some, some specific criteria that are not satisfied in this case. It doesn't invade anybody else's rights to say what you believe about, a, about something like gender. And it certainly didn't disrupt the school. So, so we think that Liam's does have constitutional rights and the tinker is absolutely what controls that outcome. Um, and, uh, and that's what we'll be saying to the Court of Appeals in the, events that, in the event that this judge doesn't uh, understand the case that way. What was the argument that these T-shirts are disruptive? Well, so they really didn't present much of an argument at all on sort of actual disruption, as you can imagine, because both times they took him out of school, that was, it was almost as soon as he showed up. Now, the, the, the law does permit them to restrict speech based on not just actual disruption, but also a reasonable forecast of substantial disruption. But what we, as we explained to the court, that the law that if you're trying to do that, you're trying to regulate it in advance because of disruption that you forecast, that still has to be based on facts. Right? You, you can't just look at speech and just make a judgment based on the message and say that, oh, that's inherently disruptive or it's offensive and so you can't say it. They really need to be able to point to facts to show why this is going to be disruptive. A good example of that would be you know, to be able to predict what kind of disruption it's going to cause, et cetera. And they just didn't do that. Uh, so again, we, we think that you know, the, the, their argument there just doesn't meet the standard that's, that's required. Now, how are his classmates responding to this? Are they rallying around him? Are they shunning him? Are they, what are they doing? The classmates have been generally supportive, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the school pointed out that a couple of other students in the time since Liam wore this shirt made and wore similar shirts to say there are only two genders, um, and, and they, had, they restricted the, those students as well. Um, so the, I wouldn't say that any, any sort, anything that's gone on inside, inside the school in, in favor or against Liam has, has risen to any kind of level of disruption, but he has, he has received actually a bit of a showing of support. How, yeah, Logan, how, how, um, I've often heard that, um, the argument that shirts like this represent hate speech. Has that argument come up at all? Um, it shows a bigotry. It's, you know, offensive to, uh, the students. It makes people uncomfortable. 
Um, is there any anything in that argument in this case? So that has been made. In fact, the school district at page 18 of their most recent brief that they filed in the case labels Liam's viewpoint as a hateful viewpoint. That word hateful is their, is their word. Um, that is very much anathema to, to what the Constitution protects, the idea that the government can restrict something just because it deems it to be hateful or offensive. You know, going back to a different case, the, the West Virginia versus Barnett case that many people listening have probably heard of, that's the, the flag salute case, whether or not the United States government can compare, compel students to recite the pledge. And there the Supreme Court said that you have a constitutional right to differ. And it specifically said that right is not limited to things that don't matter much, because that would be a mere shadow of freedom. Instead, the test of freedom is whether or not you have the right to differ on things that touch the heart of the existing order. The most fundamental matters are the ones where the right to differ matters the most. And so, yeah, you're, you're right. People try nowadays to say, oh, something's hateful or whatever else. We can restrict it solely on that basis. The Constitution and, and the way it's been interpreted says the opposite, or you have a right to differ on the fun, most fundamental matters. Now, as I mentioned before, the school can restrict speech that's actually disruptive if they have facts to show that or, or a reasonable forecast of future disruption. And sometimes the, the stuff that people also look at as, as hateful, well, sometimes it's going to meet that other test anyway, right? They'll be able to present facts to show that it can't be restricted. But that is the standard, right? It can never be based on the judgment alone about the viewpoint of the speech. And that's really what the school is trying to get away with here. And so what we're going to be trying to trying to prevent. And your appeal then, if you lose uh, on this round, goes to the First Circuit, you say? That will be the next stop if, okay. the, if how, the ruling that comes out is one that we decide to appeal, yeah. How has the First Circuit dealt with cases like this? It, there's one particular case that we think is really good for us and that we brought up to the, to the district court here, but it's a case called Norris, and, and it's addressing this argument that the school was pressing. So the one that, well, even if, even if we don't meet this disruption analysis under Tinker, we can still restrict it because we think that it violates the rights of other students. And the, the First Circuit in the, in the Norris case said that in order to, to meet that justification for restricting speech, it needs to be speech that targets a specific student and rises to the level of invading, invading rights. And so expressing your own view about gender and, and, and what that means, it doesn't get anywhere close to meeting that first part of the Norris test, targeting a specific student. And the reason that they have that requirement is because that's designed to allow schools to, to restrict speech that's involved in bullying, right? When you single out a student, you repeatedly direct abusive behavior and speech toward that student, and eventually and it sort of it rises to the level of, of, of violating that student's rights. That's what they're talking about there. But it can't be a basis for restricting people just expressing generally things that they believe when they're not targeting any other student. Again, because that, that gets you into the realm of just restricting speech because you think the viewpoint is unpopular or, or somehow inherently offensive and, and maybe likely to cause arguments or something like that, which Tinker expressly that you can't do. Okay. Now, um, I, I, I would imagine that there are probably a lot, of, a lot of amicus briefs that have been filed or are going to be filed. Uh, are there groups that are coming forward to stand with you and stand with this young man? We, we have received offers of amicus support. Given just the speed at which this case developed, there have not been any briefs filed. Uh, however, in the event that, that we do need to appeal this, I, I do expect there will be quite a bit of support for, like, for Liam's position. Like, like a normal <laughs> case, it has uh, yeah. uh, 
two attorneys on either side and a bazillion amicus briefs filed by people that are interested in the outcome. Um, this is kind of an interesting case. I, I'm, I'm really concerned about what the school has been doing here. It sounds like, from what you're telling us, the school has been emphasizing this pride stuff. You know, we, this is Pride Month, and we've got to look at the, you know the rainbow colors or whatever they're whatever they're doing. And uh, he can't respond to that. He's not allowed to respond, apparently. Yes, that's that's exactly right, and that's why we think that this case is pretty far over the line. As you know, we've sort of been talking about this tinker stuff, and, and the reality is, it can be a complicated standard to apply. It's not e- it's not necessarily an easy one all the time. But in a case like this, we think that it, it really is pretty obviously so far over the line because how can the school say, oh, we, you know, we have this reasonable factual basis for believing there's going to be substantial disruption if he expresses his view on gender while they're actively encouraging that conversation, right? They're actively saying, let's, have, let's, let's talk about gender, you know, and then all of a sudden when somebody says one thing about it they don't like, they, they try to restrict that. Another interesting dimension that I hadn't brought up yet is that their own policies on civil rights and harassment – still use language like, you know, you need to have uh, all educational opportunities have to be available to both sexes, or we're going to prohibit certain types of expression that are offensive to either gender. Right? So their own policies still use language that, that assumes a sex and gender binary, and yet they're saying just because one seventh grader wants to say there are only two genders, all of a sudden that's going to be so so disruptive, just the, the mere presence of that expression in our school building that we can restrict it. I mean, it, it, it's simply unfounded. So, what are their, yeah, uh, the, the aspects of Go ahead. Uh, what do the biology textbooks say about this? <laughs> well, that was going to be my uh, that's, question. That's a, great, that's a great question. This could uh, actually... I, I'm not actually... There, we, we actually asked Liam about this, um, and and the apparently the way their course works, they don't actually have a standard textbook that he could even show me, so so I'm not sure exactly uh, what, what all might be, be involved in the instruction there, but, uh, but yeah, the, likely... Uh, it would certainly be more consistent with what Liam said, at least if it's a biology textbook that's worth the paper it's printed on. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, that, well, go ahead. That, that, that was that was my reaction to the statement that there are only two genders. I thought well, there's a religious basis behind that, but there's also a scientific basis behind it. And if he's speaking truth in a scientific manner on his T-shirt, um, what's wrong with um, expressing science? You know, that there's there's... All different aspects of this particular Apparently case. the science isn't settled on this Well, this matter. case may go to the Supreme Court and settle that science, so go Logan. Yeah, whatever happened. You know, it's, go ahead. Well, speaking of the Supreme Court, I, I mentioned you know, that Justice Ginsburg uh, wrote the opinion in United States versus Virginia, and there's you know, she, she, her, that opinion says, quote, the two sexes are not fungible. And it says right. that there are, quote, inherent differences between men and women that are worthy of celebration. And, and the judge... Flatly, when I said that, you know, how, why couldn't he express this? And the judge said, "Well, he might have been able to express that ten years ago." Uh, so, I mean, the the court uh, is clearly, you know, uh, evolution is taking over. That, I'm yeah. afraid. Yes. Yeah, standards are changing. Whatever happened to Voltaire's argument? I may not agree with what you say, but I would defend to the death your right to say it. Mm. Exactly. Yep. Apparently that's yep, out the exactly. window these days. Logan, I noticed this week there was another case in Massachusetts where um, the st- middle school school students, again, ironically, protested um, their um, LGBT pride uh, celebrations by wearing T-shirts that say, my pronouns are USA. And what's interesting about the story when I listened to it is that it, the take on it was that 
students are getting so tired of being having this just thrown in their faces. They want to, you know, they want to learn their math and their science and and their reading and and that they're just fed up as students with all of this propaganda. I, I think that's definitely a sense that you can get from some of these from some of these events that you're pointing out, and you know that that also just points out how ridiculous it is for the school to say that it's going to with it's going to be disruptive to allow Liam to say what he wants to say, even while they're promoting all this stuff uh, that is that is that is clearly yeah generating disruption all on its own. But yeah, I, I think it's certainly a problem. I, I think students can tell when they are being indoctrinated and not just educated. Um, and we need to we need to also continue to protect them from that, both from a constitutional perspective and just by doing what every, everybody can in terms of the the impact they can have on their own community, their own school board. Uh, this this needs to be corrected in in terms of what's going on in America's schools. Logan, how do we follow uh, what is going on with the Alliance Spending Freedom? Yeah, you can find updates on this and other uh, very important cases at adflegal.org. Very good, and there's also a place there where you can donate your spare change if you want to help these people right. out because what ADF does, it does pro bono for everybody. And I want to also offer the our listeners to pray for Liam and for you, Logan, as you, this process isn't easy. Um, there's, it's, it's a difficult situation that Liam has put himself in and he could be playing baseball this summer and instead he's... The long knives are out to get him because they don't want him to run for office someday. So, they're so gonna, our prayers are kind of out there for you. Convict him to be Liam. something so that he can't uh, he can't be president or governor or anything. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I, I think, thanks for bringing that up, but both in, as, in terms of material, you know, financial support, if that's something the Lord is calling you to do, or just to take a moment to pray for us me, Liam, the judge in this case, or, or any of the other clients that you might learn about from our website. We really appreciate that. Logan, we want to thank you for joining us today. We certainly appreciate it. We'll keep you in our prayers, and we hope people will check out that uh, that website. And again, if they do have any spare change, it, it's a good cause to go to. Logan Spina with the Alliance Defending Freedom, thank you very much for joining us. And Gina and I will be right back after these messages. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. And we're back. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. Uh, and we're completing our uh, double header here today with uh, Alliance Defending Pre- Freedom with Jeremiah Galis, who is an attorney on the other side of the country. We were just talking about what was going on in Boston and Massachusetts. Now we're back out in California, and we're dealing with a church out there that runs a little daycare or school, preschool uh, in the San Diego area. It's called the Church of Compassion. And uh, they're getting penalized by the government now because of, uh, I guess, problems with gender expression and things like that. So, Jeremiah, you want to bring us up to date on what is going on with the Church of Compassion? Yeah, absolutely. And and thanks for having me. Certainly. Um, What we're dealing with in California is really a a disappointing um, example of government discrimination. Now, now hang on just a second. It's not surprising in California that we're disappointed. (laughs) Go ahead. Well, unfortunately, that that is true, and that's the case. Um, in this particular uh, lawsuit that we're we're handling, Church of Compassion, as you mentioned, has a preschool and daycare program, and and for nearly twenty years, it participated in a federal food program that provides reimbursements for meals and snacks to eligible children, and these are uh, typically children from low income families. About forty percent of the children who attend. 
the church's preschool and daycare program qualify for this federal food aid, and, and it is a federal food uh, program. Um, but the program in the state of California is administered by the California Department of Social Services. And in 2022, what that state agency did was to terminate the church's participation in this federal food program because they would not agree to language in the application that would have prevented them from firing those, excuse me, from hiring those who share its faith and from aligning its internal policies uh, on things like restroom usage, pronouns, dress codes, um, consistently with its religious beliefs about human sexuality. And because it wouldn't do those things, these state officials kicked them out of a food program that's designed to feed children in need. The first thing that that pops into my mind is the ministerial exception. Uh, Doesn't that apply to the church? Yes, it it absolutely applies, and and we've made that argument in our uh, briefing to the court. We've explained that the U.S. Supreme Court time and again has reaffirmed uh, this idea of the ministerial exception. And for your listeners, what that is, is it's an exception uh, rooted in the First Amendment that says if you're a religious institution, the government cannot interfere with your employment decisions for your ministerial employees. And that's a legal term of art. It doesn't mean a priest or a pastor. It's broader than that. It's anyone who's responsible for teaching the faith, carrying out the rituals uh, of the religious institution. And certainly, <laughs> certainly Church of Compassion, as a church, has ministerial employees, so they have an absolute right to prefer members of their own faith for their ministerial positions. But we also make the broader point that the First Amendment isn't isn't just limited to ministerial employees. It also allows religious institutions, including churches, to require all employees, ministerial or non-ministerial, to share their faith. And so what the state of California has done in kicking the church out of this program is to tell the church and its preschool and daycare that they can not only— they're not allowed to, to even make those decisions with respect to their ministerial employees, but that they're not allowed to make it for any employees whatsoever. Wow. Now, what is the stage of the litigation? I take it something has been filed already? Filed an amended complaint. In addition to that, we filed a motion for preliminary injunction. And what that does is it asks the court to reinstate um, things as they were before this religious discrimination took place. Um, and so the hope is that the court um, will reinstate the church and the preschool and daycare back into the federal food program while this litigation is ongoing so that we can ensure that the children in need uh, for which this food was uh, in- intended for can can get the, the food that they need. Now, is there a hearing scheduled already on that preliminary injunction? There is. It's currently scheduled for August 11th. Oh, Wow. So all these kids and everybody that are dependent on this have to wait till August before possibly anything can change. Well, you know, the the good news is that the church and and the daycare are doing their very best to continue to provide these food, these um, these meals, um, but they're paying for it out of pocket. Um, what what had happened previously is that the under this food program, the government would reimburse the church 
for those ex- expenditures. So we're looking at, at between $3,000 to $4,000 every month that the church is now paying out of pocket um, simply because the government decided to prioritize um, its political aims over the needs of these children. This reminds me a little bit of that, uh, is it Trinity Lutheran case out of Missouri where they had the blacktop material for the schools? Yes. And uh, the Lutheran school was denied because it was a religious school. And, of course, we know yeah. how that came out. I know, but you, you mentioned that case. But it comes to mind is the main um, Supreme Court ruling from last year that said that a program that was eligible for all institutions right. could not exclude the religious institutions. And I noticed that ADF um, uh, argued a case in Florida, um, was that last year, with the— uh, Christian schools there also, yeah. where the lunch program was yeah, I think, denied. I, I think there's a lot of precedent for it. Uh, how say you? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so you, you both should be attorneys. You're, you're, you're well, one points. of us is, really, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not me. <laughs> the one that asks the best question is not an attorney. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is very, very good. It's a, so, um, as you mentioned, the Supreme Court has held in, in a, really a trilogy of cases, Trinity, Lutheran, Espinoza, then Carson v. Macon, that's the main case that was referenced, that the government cannot exclude uh, religious organizations from otherwise generally available government benefit programs. And uh, we think the Supreme Court has been very clear on that issue. What we're seeing state officials like California do, however, say, well, if we can't exclude you based on your religious status, if we can't kick you out just because you're Christian or you're religious, what we'll do is we'll impose requirements that kick you out as a result of your religious exercise and beliefs. Um, but that's really no different. That's discrimination all the same, and we think the Supreme Court will, will hold as much of this if a case like this uh, ever reaches it. Now, the one you mentioned in Cal- uh, excuse me, in, in Florida was uh, Grant Park Academy case, and it, and it also was an ADF case. And this, this case is similar because it um, also involves a USDA lunch program. The Grant uh, Park case did as well. And, and a lot of these problems began, um, I would say primarily began, with what the federal government did and what the U.S. Department of Agriculture did in reinterpreting Title IX. So if you receive uh, monies through a federal program like these food programs, you are considered a recipient of federal financial assistance, which puts you, um, uh, which makes you subject to Title IX. Title IX prohibits sex discrimination. Well, that was no problem for the church and and the preschool. As I mentioned, they've been participating in this program for nearly 20 years. But in 2021, the U.S. Department of Agriculture reinterpreted Title IX's prohibition on sex to include sexual orientation and gender identity. And then they instructed all these state agencies and officials that are responsible for administering these food programs to enforce that interpretation. And that really precipitated not just the Grant Park case in Florida, but this case here in California. And so if you looked at the amended complaint, you'll notice that we not only sued state of California officials, but we sued the federal government, the U.S. Department of Agriculture as well. Very good. I, it's, I hate it when I listen to these programs. We do these programs and we... We thought, it sounds to me as a person on the street that we just relitigate the the same ideas over and over again, and it's that the, the, the people that are putting um, these organizations or people of faith in the position of having to sue um, are just um, 
what am I trying to say, kind of punishing them or yeah. forcing them to to adjudicate these things uh, over and over again, and it's taking time and money and resources away from their mission. And I, and I think frustrating without the benefit of law, because the substitution of gender identity for sex is something that Congress has not acted on. As a matter of fact, it's had several opportunities to make that change in the original law, and it has refused so to do so. So it's all executive order, administrative. Order and administrative. Yeah, yeah that, that's exactly right. When you look at Title IX, Title IX was passed over 50 years ago. And at the time, sex was defined as male and female, um, and no one would have thought otherwise. Um, but you're exactly right. It's not being done legislatively. It's being done administratively or through um, executive orders. And, and the USDA, um, in this particular scenario, pointed to President Biden's executive order, um, <clears throat> as well as the Supreme Court's decision in Bostock, which which we think wrongly reinterpreted right. Title VII. That applied to employment law. That's right. right. That's right. All right. So, what is the uh, the roadmap now? Are you going to have a hearing in August? Yeah, there will be a hearing in August. We will get our day in court. Hopefully, the the judge will see the unfairness. We'll see that the government here is prioritizing, as I said, its political aims over the needs of children. Um, that it will realize uh, that the cases we were just discussing—Trinity Lutheran, Espinoza, Carson v. Macon—these all are, are strong precedent that say that the government cannot exclude uh, religious organizations based on their religious status or their religious exercise from government programs like this. And so we feel good about the case. Um, we're, we're optimistic, although there's no guarantees, but we're optimistic that the court will see that the equities here. Um, really weigh strongly in favor of the church and the children and families that it serves and allow them back into the federal food program. Okay, and now this is in a federal court, correct? It is. Okay, and um, uh, how have the federal courts in your jurisdiction been handling these matters? Is it optimistic for you or pessimistic? Well, so we're in the you know the Southern District of California. Um, as far as I'm aware, they haven't encountered this issue, you know, directly, uh, and there's been no cases exactly on point. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I said, we're optimistic, given the Supreme Court precedent that's out there, as well as really the unfairness of the government choosing to discriminate against religious organizations, um, really at the expense of feeding needy children. We we're, we're optimistic, no matter what court we go in that they will see the unfairness in that. That's right. All right. Uh, final question to you is, uh, and the same thing that we ask uh, Logan, and we'll let you repeat the answer, is how do we find out more about what you are doing, what ADF is doing, uh, and uh, especially about this case, if people want to follow it? Yeah, if you're, if you're interested in, in learning more about ADF and the cases that we're, we're litigating, we are a, a nonprofit, pro bono, Christian legal organization. Everything we do uh, for religious liberty, free speech, marriage, and the family. Um, this is all pro bono, and so we do rely on the support of ministry friends and, and people who, who are uh, believers and supporters of, of the work that we're doing. So if you go to adflegal.org, you can learn all about our cases and more about the organization. Thank you, Logan, and or, or, uh, Jeremiah. And, of course, the uh, ADF is one of the premier uh, religious liberty uh, law firms in the United States, and you've taken probably more uh, cases to the Supreme Court in one than uh, we can even count at that much. So it's 
it's important that groups like this be supported, and I would recommend that if you do have some spare change, that ADFlegal.org is a good place to go with it. Thank you. Jeremiah, thank you for being with us today. We certainly appreciate your uh, your expertise here, and we wish you well, and we'll keep you in our prayers. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Jeremiah Galas from the Alliance Defending Freedom, and Gene and I will be right back after these messages. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. And we're back. You're still listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. Uh, Gina, um, another interesting set of cases we took up today. They're all interesting, but some of them kind of uh, hit home easier than others, and I think these two did. Well, I, definitely. I mean, they, they're direct attacks at our rights under the Constitution. Um, one is clearly not a faith-based uh, case in particular, this middle school young man from middle school who uh, wants to wear a T-shirt expressing his views um, is important to people of faith, however, and um, it, they feel a little deja vu-ish. I, to the, today I just listened to these cases and I think, why do we continue to litigate these, um, the First Amendment and the Fourteenth Amendment in, in, in our rights as citizens of the United States, as, as people of faith? Yeah, I think you're right. And I I think it does have a lot to do with religious liberty, too, because what they are trying to do, as we can see in other areas, is they're trying to shut down those people who are speaking Christian biblical truth. Or truth. Or truth. Yeah. And and the thing is, you know, uh, science now has been defined as being settled if it's settled the right way. You know, and uh, if it conforms with the ideology, which is very not much science. And and that's what we find is happening out there right now. Ideology seems to rule everything, not common sense. It's ideology. So your ideology is that uh, uh, gender is a spectrum. So now everything has to conform to that. And it's not true. It's simply not true. That's right. And so we need to turn a little bit inward, maybe. And remember where we're where we're seated. You know that uh, God is in control, and we um, understand that th- these are all just tests by, uh, by people who clearly don't understand th- the world as it is, and uh, creation for that matter. And we need to pray and bring ourselves uh, centered closer to God. Mm-hmm. Um, I. Just on a side note, this makes me think this weekend I had the opportunity to watch the, the movie Nefarious, and it it clearly visually describes what we're doing as a culture to, to our souls. And uh, these and these cases, these legal cases, are, are clear representations of how Satan really um, is infiltrating our society. Yeah, it's a cultural rot out there. And one of the things that I think we Christians tend to do when we're arguing these things or debating these these things, if they allow us to debate at all, is to, we get wrapped up in the religiosity of the question. And we get all wrapped up into what the Bible has said. And, you know, God created to Man and man and woman, woman man you know. Woman. Right. Uh, that doesn't do any good with these cultural Marxists, okay? What they need is solid scientific evidence. And we find that a lot of people who are atheists have been overcome by 
not religious arguments, but overcome by scientific arguments, by historical arguments, because then they can kind of see where this fits in, and ultimately then they can take the next step and start to look at the, the, the biblical version of these things too. So I think one of the things we have to keep in mind is that we have to, we have to be able to argue to the culture or speak to the culture in the culture's language, which isn't always religion. And so if we're basing an argument to the culture on what the Bible says, they're just going to go, oh, ho-hum. They're Um, rewriting the Bible anyway. I was going to say, speaking of the Bible, perhaps they'll listen to the new Bible being written by artificial intelligence, sometimes referred to as AI. We've got a couple of things here where uh, it looks like, like the World Economic Forum is, and we know these people as being pretty much left-wing radicals, one-worlders. That's what I hear. uh, I don't know any personally, but that's what I hear. Well, we read about them. That's right. Uh, They're trying to rewrite the Bible with AI, and they want to write a Bible that is uh, correct. Those are the words they used. Mm -hmm. Actually correct. Actually correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that um, they don't understand that the Bible was not written by, I mean, obviously people, humans, wrote the Bible, right. but it was inspired div- by divinely yeah. inspired. Exactly. They're the words of the Lord. Same as the um, Ten Commandments. Uh, anyway, so, it, yeah, AI is, and then PETA would like to rewrite the Bible. I oh, saw yeah. that story you said this Yeah, PETA's was an interesting one there. PETA is the protection, what is PETA? Uh, uh, people for eth- the ethical, ethical treatment of animals. Okay. okay. And uh, the story about, uh, was it uh, Abraham? They, they, they're re- rewriting Genesis. And I guess they've already rewritten Genesis. Using artificial intelligence. Or using artificial mm-hmm. intelligence to do it. Uh, and And I guess they've got their version of Genesis on sale. Now, I don't know if they're going to go and start doing the rest of the books of the Bible, but uh, they did Genesis, and one of the things they did is, um, I guess it's Abraham. Uh, Abraham, in their version of the story, does not pick out a, a, a sheep to a sacrifice, or a yeah. ram to s- a sacrifice. Rather, he sits down and he makes nice with the sheep. Now, come on, this is... Obviously, they're not familiar with the culture of the time. They certainly are not. They certainly are not. So you'll be hearing a lot of this, I think, uh, as time goes on about uh, what uh, what different people are doing to the Bible and how they're doing a, I guess, a, a, a WEF is doing uh, the politically correct version of the Bible, I guess, where everybody gets along and everybody's a one-worlder. I think and they called it the vegan version. That's the PETA version. Yes, that's it's the PETA vegan. Version. No, no animals were harmed in the making no, of yeah, that Bible. No. <laughs> yeah, but there, there you go. That's what happens when you're ruled by ideology, and uh, uh, but we do have a fight on our hands here because we are literally, and I've said this before, we are fighting demonic um, forces, influences, mm-hmm. right, in, in the culture today because you can't look around and see what is going on without saying, something is behind this. This isn't by accident that all of a sudden little children are being taught that maybe you're in the wrong body and you might be the other sex, or that uh, women can still rip apart their babies in the womb, or that you can have physician-assisted suicide. We can have all the other things that are going on in this culture today 
without looking at a force that may be behind it. Exactly. And, and um, inspiring people to be blind to truth. That's, you know, not having their eyes opened to, to truth and reality is, is um, terrifying to me that, you, you, that they just don't see it. I remember one time uh, I was working a food kitchen line with some Catholic ladies, and they were in a big. Um, uh, they were excited about Barack Obama, who was running for president at the time. And I asked them. I said, "You know, I said he is would be the most pro-abortion president that we've ever had if he's elected." You know what the response was to me? That's just one issue. Oh, and it's not. No, it is the, the issue. The, it's the it, it, right. the, the cultural issues of life, of liberty, of the protection of our religious freedom. Uh, this is all wrapped up into what's going on. And as we get closer to our country's birthday, it's important to look back and and understand that. That's right. You just stated. That's right. All right. I think it's about time to uh, to close up here. We're pretty much out of time, so let's do our defenders' prayer. Saint Michael the Archangel. Defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you to our guests. Uh, Don't forget Catholic Women Now with Julie Nelson is every uh, Tuesday morning at 9 a.m., right here on Iowa Catholic Radio. So until next time, have a blessed and peaceful week. Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. Faith on Trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano. Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio, iowacatholicradio.com, and the Iowa Catholic Radio app.